from bureaucracies. Oh, you, you sighed. I heard you sigh, Paul. You, you interrupted my flow. <laughs> just, just to, you know, how crap everything is. It was nothing specific. No, I, I get it. Uh, all right, I'll start. From bureaucracy's basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to fire reports, make recommendations, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper in the back room. Maybe one day we'll escape from this subterranean hell that is this sub-sub-basement, but until that day comes, the city is not going to improve itself. So, here we stay. Improving things. This meeting is now in session. Hello. Oh, hello. How are you doing? Oh, it's great. I, I, I have a surprise. No. Yes. What is it? I love surprises. Oh, okay. So you're just not content with just knowing there's a surprise. You need to know what the surprise is. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're going to be that way. Then I will also be that way. Uh, so I, I have applied to, uh, to administration to change our offices and move upstairs. No. Really? Yeah. yeah. And I have, they, they sent down, uh, down through the chute. Uh, I have the answer. I have the uh, package here. And I think it's got our, uh, our marching orders for, uh, for our new offices. Really? This is exciting. Hold on. Okay. Did, does that sound like I'm opening something? It does. Yeah. Good, good, good. Okay. Because that, that's what I'm doing. Uh, nice dear. Foley work, Aiden. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wait, I have to go up to the microphone. Anyway, um, dear Paul Deschen, that's you, Mm -hmm. and Aiden Morgan, uh, regretfully, we have to deny your application to change offices. Uh, Says here, uh, there was much debate about our status, uh, and apparently it took took them a few months to even understand who we were, uh, and it eventually went to council. Uh, Oh. But... And it looked like it was going to go our way, but, uh, oh, counselor from Ward 7 says that she's heard that there's a class of bureaucrats who like to live in the basement 24-7. And then we have to meet their needs where they are, which is the sub-basement. And with that in mind, we must uh, deny your application. So, sounds fair to me. I guess so. I was kind of hoping to see the sun. Me too, but I mean, I guess we belong to just a certain class of people that prefer to live this way. Right. An underclass. An underclass, as it were. Yeah. A, a, a basement-dwelling underclass people. Yeah. Bureaucrats. Well, that's too bad. Maybe with a new council, if we ever get one, maybe we can try again. hmm Hey, uh, do we have to do attendance? No, I believe we just did attendance. Okay. Effectively. Effectively. All right. Well, then, uh, I guess we should probably carry on to the agenda. All right. What's uh, what's first on our agenda? Well, you know, it is some kind of big news. At the uh, last council meeting, uh, the ending homelessness motion finally came forward. This was on June 15th. It was brought forward by councillors Don LeBlanc and uh, Andrew St- uh, Stevens. And it was kind of a big deal because... This motion was asking for a report on what uh, what would be required, what funding would be required to solve the homelessness problem 
throughout the city. And this is supposed to be part of, it's supposed to be wrapped into the 2023 budget deliberations. The report is, well, the motion, sorry, is an acknowledgement basically that uh, was this much, like for years we've been told, oh, this isn't our responsibility. Housing is the province's job. It's the federal government's job. This motion kind of acknowledges this help is not coming if we don't do something first. Right. And so this is asking actually for money to start dealing with homelessness. Uh, homelessness, uh, house, sorry, a housing first process uh, is kind of the ideal solution to the problem here where we would be getting people into housing without them having to go through programs and whatnot before they're accepted into housing. Uh, it's a program that's worked around the world to great success. And we've, we've actually had one on the books for years, but it's been underfunded and it needs help. And that's what this uh, motion Good. is for. Good. Because everybody wants housing. Yes. I think that's a fair assumption. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be a fair assumption. However, uh, and you would think like this was this is the kind of motion that would have gone under previous councils nowhere, but this passed unanimously. You would think this would be all anyone could talk about. However, that was not what everybody was talking about. Um, Councillor Shaw, once again, was asking some questions. Oh, hey, yeah. And uh, yeah. She had a question for a representative from Phoenix uh, Housing, Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Developments. They handle the housing first housing for the city of Regina that we do have. She had a question for this representative for, uh, from Phoenix Housing, and it was a theme that Councillor Shaw has brought up before, and I thought I would play what Councillor Shaw had to ask uh, for you now. Councillor Shaw. Hey, thanks for coming. Uh, a lot of great facts in, in what you said and, and the work that you're doing. I heard this once by an Indigenous person um, from where it says, she talked about people within the Indigenous culture that don't want to have homes. Can you address that and speak to that for me, please? Because until I'd heard that from her, I had no idea that there was people like that that existed. And, and I guess that does exist. And, and are you aware of it? Yeah, um, you know, I think I think it, it's the idea of maybe um, settler culture imposing something on the in, uh, people in in the indigenous um, community, and um, you know, some some may choose to not have a, a home per se. They're more comfortable in, in living with different people from moving around. So I can see that that happens. I will say that the majority of, of the people that we work with in our homes program are indigenous, not all of them are. Um, and we respect the wishes of the individual. So in saying that, that just verifies what she said, that there always will be people that are quote unquote homeless in the indigenous culture because of what they prefer through the meeting. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say it would be. Okay, thank you. Okay, so that was Councillor Shaw's question. She wasn't asking an Indigenous person, by the way, about uh, this uh, element of that she alleged was of uh, Indigenous culture. And uh, the question seemed a little, I don't know. A little odd? Yeah, let's yeah. say odd. It seems uh, to be beside the point, as, to be gracious. Yeah. And then later in the meeting, uh, a delegation, Kel McClellan, a University of Regina student, was speaking. And here's what she had to say 
to Councillor Shaw during the uh, course of her delegation. Further, Councillor Shaw, I would like to correct your idea about the wanderers. No, there are not people who want to be homeless. Everyone wants a place to call home. Some people choose to travel, just like people who choose to spend their winters in Arizona or Florida. Framing homelessness as a choice is a weird take. Nobody chooses to be homeless. Nobody chooses to be insecure. Thank you. Thank you very much. I have a question for you from Councillor LeBlanc. Thanks, Kill. I just want to ask a question of context around your most recent comment related to folks wanting to be homeless. Do you happen to be Indigenous? And are you familiar with the traditions of Plains Indigenous people? Oh, I, I forgot to mention that I am Indigenous, so I'm probably the right person to be asking that question to, not another white lady. I think that was a double mic drop. <laughs> and... Uh... We have Kale McClellan here in the sub-basement tonight to uh, talk about what went down at Council on June 15th. Hello, Kale. Hi, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I guess I want to start with what were your thoughts when Councillor Shaw was asking that question? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, I don't know, I kind of like laughed at it at first because it's like, Yes, nobody wants to be homeless, sure. Like, I, I'm i just so confused by, like, how she took one simple statement about, like, a very broad topic in this culture she clearly is not familiar with um, and spun it in a way that was just, like, so ridiculous. I, I couldn't, it was just hilarious. It was, like, I was embarrassed for her. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, so you weren't thinking at last somebody is finally speaking up for a made-up class of Indigenous people? Like that wasn't <laughs> what was going through your mind? Surprisingly, no, that is oh, not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this isn't the first time that she's done this either. She's asked this question before. She has. Um, she brought it up when there was the Rapid Housing Initiative, initiative I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Yeah, so I I would have thought that the Phoenix person would have been a little bit more prepared for this question, but her response that, oh, uh, perhaps there are some people in uh, Indigenous cultures who, you know, don't want to be part of settler housing. (laughs) It wasn't, she didn't help the situation is what I'm saying. Maybe she thought they'd rather be in teepees or, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah well it, it struck me from from her response that I, I, she was not expecting that question and had no real way of answering it because it seemed it was so i mean it, it was like asking you know me about that I, I would have nothing to say you know of use on that topic so yeah i thought it was fun how shaw brought this up again in the same meeting after your rebuke after you know kale you took her to the mat over this. She brought it up again and asked staff about this. And I thought staff's answer was much better because you, first of all, you could hear them whispering in the background about who's going to take this. (laughs) And then this poor housing planner had to take it. And he just, uh, he dodged the question. He just basically sidestepped it very respectfully, I thought, but didn't give her the answer she wanted. So it was, it was uh, enjoyable. Um, the, the, 
there's been a development since this, and that's that uh, we now know who it was that Councillor Shaw was speaking to. It was Erica Bodan from uh, Regina Treaty Status Indian Services Inc., who we've had on this, uh, who we've had in our meetings before. And uh, Erica recalls having a conversation with Councillor Shaw where she was talking about homeless people and where she, uh, she, Erica, had mentioned that there are some homeless people who, you know, don't want the responsibility of living in a home and you could consider them wanderers. But Erica was speaking in her position as an expert on homelessness, was speaking about homeless people in general of all backgrounds. And Erica has come out to like say, this is what happened. This is what I said. And that she is outraged that Shaw has inserted the indigenous uh, uh, descriptor into this story and um, has like completely changed what uh, Erica had actually said. So uh, do you, do you know, have you met Erica uh, Kel? I think I met her at um, Camp Hope very yeah. briefly. Yeah. She's kind of awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, in this same, this was a press release that came out. It was a joint press release from Ritzis, uh, the File Hill Capel Tribal Council, and FSIN. And in this, uh, FSIN Chief Bobby Cameron said what Councillor Shaw said was racist, and she heard what she wanted to hear. And uh, so this this two page press release is kind of like a stunning rebuke of um of councillor shaw um uh, i don't know kale any thoughts to add um i'm i'm glad that they put that out there uh because if in a situation it's like everyone in council heard what she said they all knew it was like wrong to say but like nobody stepped up and said anything which is I guess disappointing, but also it's like, I, I can see how they would maybe feel like it's not their place to correct her. Yeah. Um, and bless Bobby Cameron for <laughs> saying it like it is. Yeah. 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 Um, do you have like, do, have you like imagined or thought of like, if like, how should council have dealt with this in your opinion uh, in the moment, maybe, or even like in the wake of what do you, what would you have liked to have seen? Um, well, in the moment, probably somebody should have called her in and been like, you're saying, well, she made some really weird inferences in her, you know, top talking. Um, like she said, 90% of homeless people are indigenous and all these people, all these homeless people are by default lacking education or. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, or like just, she, she really like infantilized. Is that yeah. Infantilized people? indigenous yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, sorry, go on. Oh, just, uh, they and they should have issued an apology the next day. And like clearly like highlighted how they're gonna deal with these comments moving forward. Cause it's not the first time she's said these really out-of-pocket things. Um thinking back to the conversion therapy ban. Yeah. Uh, and everything else. Mm. So yeah. I, I actually I've come up with a solution to this situation. <clears throat> Because you're right, this this happens all the time. Oh, it's not every single meeting that Shaw attends that she says <laughs> she sticks her foot like deep, deep, deep down her mouth. Yeah. Um, but it's you know I'd say a good like two out of three that this happens. So I think what I think what Mayor Masters needs to have is a Shaw horn, 
and it would be like a big red button on her desk. And like, as soon as Shaw starts to like head down one of these like really embarrassing tracks, she could just like hammer it. And this klaxon would go off and Shaw's mic would get shut off and they could move on to the next speaker. That's, that's what I'd like to see. That's, that is really similar to my solution, which was yep. just to have like the, the uh, PA start playing yakety sax every time. Yeah. Yeah. Or what about a trap door under her chair? Oh, <laughs> although unfortunately the shoot would probably dump it. But no, it would probably like dump her directly into our office, and then we'd be <laughs> stuck with her. That's right. We'd be we'd be forced to interview Trina Shaw for forevermore. That would yeah. be our pun. That would be our punishment too. Yeah. Anyways, uh, in this uh, press release from uh, uh, Ritzis and FSI, and uh, there's a there's a nice bit at the end of the second page or the first page, sorry, that uh, uh, Baudin is concerned. The erroneous statement was not confirmed by the media upon hearing it. Uh, quote, journalists and news outlets have the responsibility to go to the source of such a controversial comment to determine if it was indeed stated, said Baudin. Uh, it is all our responsibility to ensure in this day and age of reconciliation that we all do our part to assist in the reparations of colonization. Um, and, you know, if, if we were... A, a, if we were journalists and this was a news show and not, and we weren't like, you know, clerks for city hall doing a meeting, I would, I'd feel like rightfully chastised by this. Oh, yeah. But apparently she also uh, doubled down uh, on, on her, on her comments according to a CBC story. Uh, And, and I, I don't know. She, she, I'm just quoting from what I read in the story. She said they were, Wanders, they were like gypsies, thereby doubling down and like expanding the scope of of of, of her of, of her ignorance by by a lot. It it was quite something to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. It's I like know. smashing like one culture she doesn't understand into another culture she yes. doesn't understand. Yeah. Well, she did say that she wasn't looking at the color of the skin, so. You, you know, of course, of course, he's colorblind, right? We all look the same. Yeah, she, she might be colorblind. We we don't. She might literally be colorblind, and we, we don't know. Um, but probably not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're on ninety-one point three FM CJTR Regina Community Radio, and they're at the Queen City Improvement Bureau, and we're talking with Kale McClellan about uh, city hall stuff. Uh, so, well, Kale, can we like maybe go back to? you know, what should have been the story of the day, that homelessness motion, uh, motion. what did you think of it? Honestly, I didn't even know that this was happening until like the day before we had to like put our submissions in. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So I was like, oh, I got to, I think my submission was literally three lines long, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I was super excited to see it. I was so shocked to see it pass like unanimously. Yeah. Um, and listening to Hawkins, I was like, I was in my garden and my boyfriend was listening with me as well. And I was just like, let out this huge groan. I was like, Oh, Hawkins. And then I'm like, Whoa, wait, wait, is he agreeing? Like, is this, he always throws me for a loop. Like I, that guy is a wild card sometimes, but I was, what he was saying was really great. And I'm so excited to see this happening. Yeah. He, yeah, he's been, 
he ping pongs back and forth. Hey, some days he's like, well, you just want to cheer. And other times you're just like, oh my God, man, shut up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. He really is a wild card. You just, uh, he, he makes uh, city council really exciting because you just don't know which direction he's going to like veer in on any given issue. And it's kind of great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we have, we have had him on the, uh, we have had him in our meetings a couple of times and he is like, you know, completely enjoyable to talk to. So mm-hmm. yes, it's oh, yeah. true. Yeah. I like when he pulls his like lawyer hat and in the middle of like, they're talking, he'll be like objection or argumentative. <laughs> and I'm like wrong room, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like now that we have two lawyers on council that we have LeBlanc and Hawkins. And I like when they both turn on like, the lawyer switch and they start talking back and forth and uh, sorry. It turns into an exciting courtroom drama. Yeah. Yeah. From from a regular city, you know, city council meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't he call their legal advice, like basically nonsense at the last meeting about the building? Oh yeah. Yeah. The Harvard building. It was just the nicest way to tell somebody to like shut up. Yeah. So yeah, that was the other thing. That was what most of the meeting was about was whether or not to brace and keep the Burns Hanley building in place or to take it down brick by brick, put it in storage and rebuild it whenever Harvard gets around to developing their lot. And that took forever. That was like two, three hours, two hours, I think, of meeting. It was, it was, it was long. And I think people were getting really frustrated because it was taking up the whole you know, the whole front end of the meeting when there was this homelessness motion and another motion uh, from Councillor LeBlanc about LGBTQ2S plus people and, you know, uh, making the uh, city hall a more, you know, welcoming place for them. These two motions got stuck right at the end of the agenda and the Burns-Hanley building just took up most of the meeting. Were you, were you like chomping at the bit through that? Or because I was, I was thoroughly enjoying the uh, Burns-Hanley stuff. Oh God, that was so boring. Really? I I listened to it because I'm like, okay. I didn't think it'd take that long, to be honest. Yeah. Um, there was actually a few of us who were appearing before council and we were just like messaging back and forth. Like, oh my God, I hate this so much. Like there's people waiting there to talk about actual things that will affect humans. But we got stuck listening to this. Yeah. 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 No, I totally get it. Mm. I totally get it. Um, now, any like I could have told you this thing was going to take forever because this was like the third or fourth time that it had come to council. And the other three times it like took forever as well. So I knew this was going to go long. But um, I thoroughly enjoyed watching Harvard get put through their paces and raked over the coals and just watching them have uh, have this project that i'm sure they thought oh we can go to council and do whatever we want we don't care about the rules they don't apply to us (laughs) and then it comes to council and it takes like six months for this thing to finally get for them to finally get a resolution that they kind of like you know it's not what they wanted to do which you know truth be told they probably wanted to put in a parking lot but they're going to have to like take this building down brick by brick and put it in storage and they're going to have to have that storage you know, those bricks are going to be like monitored by the city. They're going to have like spot inspections. And I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on how that went. So that's the thing, like actual inspections. 
I, you know, that's what they said. They said that okay. they're going to like build this in to the agreement between the two that the city will be able to make sure that the bricks are in good shape. So maybe, maybe they can uh, store the bricks in uh, the sub basement with us. Ooh, we could like, we, we could like rebuild Burns Hanley down here, brick by brick, and we could live inside the Burn Hanley, Burns Hanley building. Brilliant. That's, that's exactly what I want. Yeah. And we could have tours. Oh my God. I think you just did an innovative revenue tool. I think I did. Just charge for like chores of the underground Burns Hanley building. Yeah. Yeah. It would be our brick museum. Like the inspectors would come down and we'd, we'd have to, we'd, we'd charge them to like yeah. inspect. That's awesome. Um, so anyways, Kel, um, what about the other stuff that was on the agenda? The, uh, the item about uh, LGBTQ2S plus people. Uh, were, you, were, you, were you there to watch for that as well or? Yeah, I was listening um, more to just the delegates and yeah, less about their HR stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that turned into a lot of like uh, staff people sort of explaining, oh, this is what we're already doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Um, so you personally are you do you do a lot of like housing activism in your daily life or was this like are you just getting like roped into this for this item oh my goodness i do not do a lot of housing stuff i still live with my parents okay so okay (laughs) um you can get started early yeah (laughs) yeah so what inspired you to to show up then um honestly my friend just mentioned that this was going before council and he's like people should probably speak on, on this. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do it. I was really hoping there'd be more people, right. um, sort of. But. There were a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, was your presentation great. was great. Thanks. I, uh, the last bit was definitely kind of ad-libbing. I was like, I can't not let her go yeah. about this. She needs to know, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you hopeful that we'll, there's a council meeting coming up this Wednesday and it'll be the first one since this uh, press release came out. Are you hopeful that we'll hear anything from either Shaw or the mayor uh, in response to this? I'm not going to hold my breath, to be honest. Um, she already declined, Shaw already declined to, to apologize in the CBC article when yeah. she was speaking with her. So yeah. keep my expectations low. Yeah. And in the uh, press release, apparently uh, Erica Bodem uh, had like tried to meet with Councillor Shaw. Shaw said that she would have to have her lawyer present and then canceled the meeting anyways. Hmm. Uh, so. Wonder what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do too. Um, yeah. Anyways, it'll keep, I don't like, I, uh, I guess I find this frustrating because in a way this is a sideshow what Councillor Shaw has been doing, the things that she says, it kind of like eats up all of this like council coverage oxygen. But at the same time, like I think these things that she does, there's like a weird sort of like naive strategy to them, like sort of an accidental genius in that like what she's doing is she's this, this, it's a very sort of like standard conservative trope where instead of listening to evidence and experts who are put before you, you take like, one misheard anecdote that you can vaguely remember and you build your entire like rhetorical structure on top of that. Mm-hmm. And she does this with every single issue. And you can see a little bit of it with other counselors as well, who 
you know, they don't data and reports don't matter as much as their gut. And it's kind of frustrating. Well, I mean, that, that does make sense. I mean, I think people in general operate that way. I mean, we can hear lots of evidence, but we often sort of respond more, you know, more immediately uh, to, to sort of anecdotal things that can that confirm things that we already believe. I, I just think that most of us know not to just run with it all the time. Yeah. Uh, but, but when Councillor Shah does this, yeah, it, it does. It takes up the oxygen. And we yep. end up, as we are now, talking not about not about like the housing initiative that passed unanimously, but about about strange comments that you know were made during the course of this. Uh, and as a consequence, we end up thinking more about Shaw than the actual issues. And it's weird, and we're participating in it, but we can't stop ourselves, and neither can Councillor Shaw. It's it's like a it's like a doom spiral of ridiculousness in the world, and we're we're in it. Yeah, but well, at the same enough. time, I think I think I think it's important that Shaw understands why she's like the nature of what she said and why she needs to rethink that. Yeah, that's that's I don't know. I think I think that's a pretty easy take for for me that this, she needs to at least apologize or at least indicate that she understands why people are are not pleased with it. Yeah. Um, Well, on that note, uh, I look at the clock and maybe what we should do then is take a break. And when we come back, we can talk about uh, uh, something of more substance. Okay. Okay, we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. Love those tools. As do I. Cannot live without whatever tools and products were just uh, discussed. Yeah. Um, hey, so guys, mm-hmm. I think it's time we need to get real. Uh-huh. Th- I thought we were real. Are we no, not real? We're not. We're insufficiently real. We need more what? real. Everybody needs more real in their lives. And wow. guess what's happening in the city right now? We're getting more real. Uh, about China. time. Yeah. Yeah. And when I'm talking about real, I'm talking about it's going to be there. It's going to be an, it's going to have its, the realness is going to have its fingers and everything. <laughs> and of course, I'm talking Ooh. about Regina Exhibition Association Limited. And they're real fingers, which is real. kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, so at executive committee last week and at a council this week, which happened yesterday when this airs, but tomorrow or the day after tomorrow from when we're recording. There is this, oh my God, the name is, it's one of these names for a thing that cannot stay in my head. It's, the report is called Changes to Unanimous Membership Agreements. Katuma, as we all know it. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for turning it into an acronym for me. Now I will never forget it. Um, Like like a sneeze. Yes. There you go. Bless you. Uh, so what's going on in this deal is that there are these there are these unanimous membership agreements between the city and economic development Regina and between the city and real and real and EDR are arm's length 100% wholly owned organizations that are governed by the city but the, even though they have their own board of governors the city owns them and the city kind of directs what they're going to do and they do work for the city 
Um, EDR does like economic research and liaises with the business community, but they also have tourism Regina under their umbrella for now. But this uh, change to the unanimous membership agreement is going to take um, tourism Regina and hand it to Regina Exhibition Association Limited, the people who run uh, the Brandt Center, the stadium, uh, the pickleball courts, the skate park, and yeah, exactly. The pickleball mafia. <laughs> Once again, they're kind of, they're they're involved somehow right, with, sure. their, with their with their pickle fingers, like getting into things oh. as always. Yeah. So this is going to happen. They're going to take tourism Regina and give it to Real. So Real, which runs you know some of the big tourist attractions in the city, but not the only real tourist attractions in the city, it's now going to get to control all of tourism for the entire city. And then the other second, the second section of this uh, change to the agreement is, is even weirder. In this, the city is like setting things up so that real can manage land, city land, city owned land. So they're basically setting up the framework so that if they have like a parcel of land that they need somebody to manage, real is going to be given the power to manage that land. And so I've spoken, I've since spoken to uh, Jim Nickel, the city manager about this, and he has assured me that these are, again, real is a municipal corporation. The city owns it. They're the only shareholder. However, it's run by a guy named Tim Reed, who everybody loves. Everybody has a crush on Tim Reed. I have a little shrine to him in, in like just over there. I've, yeah, we've got like, incense around our icon of tim reed lots lots of lots of long lens photos of tim you know yep nothing weird at all and uh you know this board of governors that you know includes um uh roseanne hill blaisdell from the harvard corporation who you may remember from the whole uh the whole debacle with uh the burns hanley building so this is like a Sorry, go. I was just going to say, are we talking about the that the debacle that that Kale was talking about earlier? Like that yes. is the most exciting thing that she's ever heard. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The uh, the the thrill that is the uh, the, the heritage uh, the heritage policy in our city. So <laughs> yeah, so they're going to be giving real the power to develop land, and I mean, I've got some thoughts like. Is this like a lot of people are telling me, hey, man, calm down. This isn't a big deal. But I'm like, every single alarm is going off for me about this, this deal that's happening. So, and I, like, I don't know. I'm just going to throw it back to you. Do, are, do you guys have alarms going off or do you think I'm crazy? Kale? My alarms were silent. I did not slept through those. Um <laughs> I, yeah, that's like the least exciting part of politics for me is like these little things, but I get your concern. Yeah. Is like masters kind of stepping away from this, like you're accusing yourself from making these decisions. That's an excellent question. Right. Cause she was chair of real or whatever. She was, she was chair of the board. Yeah. Yeah. My, My guess is that because she's not a current board member, she probably won't. Um, we, we, we shall see. 
Yeah. Um, I, I asked Jim Nickel about this. He said that uh, when there were questions in the first year of Masters' term about Real and about its funding, she recused herself every single time. Okay. Uh, but in this situation, uh, she's, she's like now whatever, like 12 or 14, 16 months away from her time with Real. And, um, you know, this is a question of like, the benefit that it has to the whole city. And so the mayor's, you know, the mayor's involved, but I don't know. So you're saying she's not like a sleeper agent for real. She's not like a stalking horse for big pickleball. Is This is, this is what you're saying. This is what Jim Nichols saying. That's not what I'm saying. Don't put <laughs> words in my mouth. So what you're saying is that she definitely is a sleeper agent for big pickleball. Yeah, she's like the Manchurian candidate. J- J- Tim Reed's Manchurian candidate who's running our city now. <laughs> Tim Reed's Manchurian candidate. Oh, that sounds like a really that sounds like the worst movie I'll ever watch every mo- every minute of. Uh, <laughs> no, I guess um I like I almost feel like what's going on here. Now, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But I feel like Masters doesn't like us anymore or doesn't like us enough. I think I feel like she she likes working with her friends at Real. And mm-hmm. so she's like expanding their powers so she can hang out with them again. And then, oh. you know, us, you know, over there, they're operating under a business model that, you know, is notionally trying to make money. They have a board of directors and corporate governance. And we're just, you know, guzzy civil servants in city right. hall and there's nothing sexy about us i mean especially not us but nope not e- not even our even our shrine to tim reed is not that sexy <laughs> we don't we don't have it in us um yeah so we should we should have uh bear masters in the show where we just ask us do you think we're cool <laughs> do you still like us? uh but i think I think with respect to things like tourism, I mean, tourism always operates in a a weird gray area that tends to like ricochet between uh, culture, like the purview of culture, the purview of economic development. uh, And having worked for for a tourism marketing agency myself, uh, I, I know this phenomenon really well. So it doesn't entirely surprise me that they would sort of uh, hand over its mandate to real. Uh, I do think it's weird, but I, I can see the rationale behind it. I guess one of my concerns would be um, like mandate loyalty. So, you know, you, you're working at real and you've, you, you've been hired to promote and expand real, and, you know, make sure that its bottom line is solid. And even though, you know, you're technically an employee of the city via this municipal corporation, I don't know if it would be like easy to sort of like shift gears all of a sudden and, you know, start promoting the Cathedral Village Arts Festival or the Mackenzie Art Gallery or all these other things. Um, because, you know, you're, you're in your heart of hearts. You're, you're a real person. And these things are not, these things are unreal. Well, we should get jobs there. Maybe one day we can be uh, real boys. Real boys. <laughs> Sorry, that was terrible. No, that was, that was, that was wonderfully terrible. (laughs) Uh, But okay. So maybe the tourism thing makes sense. Everybody's telling me it makes sense. Um, Although I would, you know, I would think that if you were, if you were running one of these organizations who incidentally, 
Nobody else was consulted on this. This was done between the city and real without any discussion with, oh, you know, the folk fest or the Mackenzie art gallery. And Jim Nichol confirmed that, that they hadn't done any of these conversations. These conversations are going to come after the agreement has been changed and tourism has been handed to Tim Reed and real. Um, so I think, I think that if you're one of these other organizations, you, I think you should be, leg- well, I don't know if you should be legitimately concerned, but I understand your concern. And uh, hopefully that will be dealt with at council and uh, real will take, will you know, we'll listen to the concerns that people have mm-hmm. this land thing though. Like, so, you know, basically like what real has done in terms of land development is they, they put up a McDonald's. And now that was their audition. And now they're running the, sh- they're going to, they could potentially be running the show. And now what I think is happening here is that, th- that this is setting it up. And I asked Jim Nickel about this and he said, nothing has been discussed. Nothing is on the table. Leave me alone, Paul. I have <laughs> other work to do, but um, I, I think that, you know, we have, the rail yards, which are undeveloped. And there's been a lot of talk about mm-hmm. turning that into like recreation land. There's the Taylor field site, which is, you know, really close to real. And so that's also been like, just more abundant, not developed. So these are two pieces, two huge parcels of land really close to, to the real campus that, you know, it does seem like there, there's a logic to handing those things to real to develop. However, this completely changes what those things were because like, in my mind, this basically says, and this is a phrase that has not been brought up in council for years now, I think Regina Revitalization Initiative is dead. Mm. This was the deal. This was how they sold the stadium to us, is that we're going to build a stadium and then we're going to develop affordable housing on the Taylor Field site and we're going to develop commercial and housing on the rail yard lands. And these are th- these things are inextricably linked. We're going to do them all together. We have a team, a crack team. We're going to put these things together and develop them. And I think we're what, like 10 years later and nothing has happened except for the stadium. Mm-hmm. And we're to the point now where RRI hasn't been spoken about in ages. And this seems like a way to shift gears and do something different and just kind of hope the Regina Revitalization Initiative is forgotten. I mean, it seemed to be, I, I didn't, I'd never really bought it. Like even in the, in the midst of all the consultations and planning, yeah. uh, I, I always thought this, this, this is kind of, it always felt like a bit of a, of a carrot being dangled while other things were going on. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, if you asked, is this a carrot that's being dangled while other things are going on? Is this like, is this some chum that you're throwing to the sharks so that they won't see you build a stadium? They would tell you, no, no, you're going to get housing. Housing is coming from this. And (laughs) here we are. We we have a housing crisis. That's a good question. I think they, they cost, I think they literally are wanderers and have to keep moving. Right, sharks. I th- maybe maybe Tarina Shaw was thinking of sharks. Yeah. Kill, you're a biologist. Sharks. <laughs> Shark. All I know about sharks is they're actually fish, and that's like mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. So they're putting affordable housing right beside the stadium. Is that or they want to? That's the idea. 
That was the idea. Yeah. So it would be where the old stadium was. They were going to turn this into a downtown neighborhood that would include affordable housing, retail, some condos. It was supposed to be this whole mixed use next level urban development that never happened. That would be like the worst spot for a house. Like all the, the ridiculous parking, those lights from the stadium, like they're so bright all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Like maybe it's a good thing they didn't go forward with it, but yeah. But think if Garth Brooks comes back, you could be out on your back patio. All the Garth Brooks you could handle. That sounds like a nightmare, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Too much Brooks. No. You're not no. a Garth girl? No. My <laughs> memories of my parents listening to him when I was a kid, and I'm just like, <laughs> had enough for one lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, we. I think we're in the, in the same same camp. Yeah. <laughs> the, enough, enough with the Brooks camp. Um, so, but I want to know about that McDonald's you mentioned. What's tell, tell me more, Paul, about this McDonald's. Oh, the McDonald's. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they built a McDonald's on the uh, Everest campus. Uh, in the past, there were like lots of restrictions on what you could and couldn't do on the real campus because it was supposed to be this. Um, it's been around since the nineteenth century. Hey, like it's it's old. It was like one of the first things that was, you know, of substance that was done in Regina. Like it dates to the 1890s. Then the the campus, not McDonald's. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. Uh, No, the McDonald's is newer than the 19th century. (laughs) Um, They uh, put that up. Uh, recently and yeah so they they basically got the rules changed around what could be developed on the real campus so that it didn't just have to be recreation convention mm-hmm. uh, food service that sort of stuff uh, that was you know controlled tightly controlled um, and so they could build this freestanding McDonald's and they've taken there's a whole miserable swath of the real campus it's absolutely like it's it's what you would imagine hell being just like the largest surface parking lot you can imagine. And it's just dusty and dirty. And Mm -hmm. in the middle of this, they built a McDonald's and it's supposed to be sort of the anchor tenant of a whole little like retail area with like other, I don't know, it's going to be a subway, right? Like who are we kidding? They're going to build a subway. uh, So there, so it's a McDonald's in hell is what you're, what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Nice. And uh, so, yeah, they put this, they put this McDonald's in a parking hell, but they're going to, they're going to slowly develop around this McDonald's and they have a whole master plan for how to develop uh, the real campus so that there's like more stuff. And I guess there, there technically won't be much less parking. Uh, it will just be like better laid out is the theory. And I think they're going to, there's talk of like a parking garage on the North side and stuff like that. Um, but they're also like, they've already got like approval to do a hotel on the real campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we don't know what else. Oh, the, uh, Stur- Sperling. Oh yeah. The, the distiller. Yeah. The Spur- distillery. Yeah. Adam Sperling. Uh, yeah. yeah. They're going to have a whole fancy, their distillery is going to be there with like a, I don't know what do you call it. Like, it's like a tap house, but not, but it's for distilled things. I don't know. A, a gin joint. They're going to have a gin joint <laughs> on a real campus. A speakeasy. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, all that's going to go in there. And then, yeah, the theory was that across Elphinstone, I guess it is, there would be this in behind the Lawson, there would be this big 
development on that whole that other like dusty windswept stretch of you know industrial type land would uh, get turned into like housing and and other stuff. But I don't think it's happening. Um, when I spoke to Jim Nickel, the acting city manager, he also suggested that with the downturn in the economy, uh, hmm. the the dreams of the RRI are indefinitely on hold. Those are my words, not his, but yeah. And then as for the rail yards, we've had Lisa Gibbons from the uh, Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District in, and she's referred to that area as, a, as another dust bowl. We're really good at building dust bowls. We are, yeah. Housing, not so much. Dust bowls, we rock at that. Um, so yeah, that uh, if if real could kickstart development there, uh, counselor, former counselor Flagel wanted to put a baseball diamond there, but that mm-hmm. didn't happen. So who knows? But I've I've got I've got an idea for the area, and Ooh. it's just five words: Western Canada's largest olive garden. Oh, think about it. I will. Do we even have an olive garden here? We we do actually. Oh man, I could go for it was some a big breadsticks. Deal. <laughs> it was a big deal when it opened. Uh, yeah. There was this notion that we'd finally joined the the big time when when the yeah. Olive Garden showed up. Yeah. But we will we we know better than to say anything bad about a chain restaurant in our city. We wouldn't dream of it. We wouldn't. Um Kale, any ideas for what we can do with all of these dust bowls that we have and how to develop them? We could charge admission, call it a tourist thing. Um, oh, Ooh. You know. that would fit with Reels Mandate now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all my ideas. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I mean, I'm, I, I love it. So co- come see the McDonald's in parking lot hell. And <laughs> the endless loop of Garth Brooks playing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a market for that, um, whether we like it or not. Yeah. I, it's it's so tragic because it is like a ton of land in this strip, this jagged strip that cuts across mm-hmm. the north side of downtown that you'd think like other cities, a, a strip of land like that would be prime real estate. But for some reason, it just sits there and mm-hmm. collects garbage and old mattresses. I think I think we've actually discussed the uh, its use as like an old mattress gathering spot before. Yeah. Yeah. Old mattress graveyard. Old mattress graveyard. Yeah. Where yeah. we can build where we can build a recreation of the Burns Hanley building, a scale model out of yeah. old mattresses. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I, I rest my case, is what I would say if I were Counselor Hawkins. <laughs> Objection. <laughs> we need a Deadpool statue before we need a recreation of the Burns Hanley building. Oh, you're right. Oh God. <laughs> Oh my God! You don't like Garth Brooks? You're also a you're not a Deadpool fan. I can't say that. okay. I don't actually have any strong opinions about Deadpool. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've seen either of the movies or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, they're they're delightful films. Notable for the fact that he mentions Regina in the first one. Oh God! Yeah. How have I not seen these? I know they teach them in schools now. Oh. But not in biology, uh, no. university levels, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Or in big neuron classes. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. This is, this is all happening. It will have happened 
when people are listening to this, because I'm quite certain that this will pass happily. Uh, there were virtually no questions about this at executive committee. Uh, and I suspect there will be virtually no questions at council. And because um, council seems to be okay with it, it's almost like they discussed this before they showed up and don't need to ask questions so that like plebes like us can find out what's really going on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina community radio uh, talking with Kale McClellan talking about council stuff. One last thing I thought we should bring up sprinklers. I, I've been waiting for how long, how, how long have been me five years. Finally, finally you bring up the sprinklers. So sprinklers, if you want to build a new building, uh, this was passed at executive committee, nine to two, eight to two, something like that. Uh, Mayor Masters and uh, Councillor, who was the one who voted? Oh, Mancinelli voted against. Hmm. Uh, this would be every single new house or apartment or anything where people would live will have to have installed a fire sprinkler system. Um. This, uh, I don't know if any other city does this, has this mandated citywide. Um, yeah. The delegations who came out were, all of them, weirdly, were either people who sold fire sprinkler systems or the trade association for fire sprinklers uh, installers. So what you're saying is there's no great grassroots groundswell movement for fire sprinklers. Yeah, the fire department was there and they said they save lives, you know, if but, you know, if you've ever met a fireman or woman or whatever, they a firefighter, they will, um, you know. Okay, so one time I was at home and I had a candle in a in a thing on a table and a fireman came because somebody had like there'd been some arson in the neighborhood. He came to my door. And he saw a lit candle on my dining room table, far away from anything flammable. And he backed up and he got this really shocked look in his face. And he was like, there's a candle. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. It's safe. And I feel safer now because there's a firefighter <laughs> on my doorstep. But he said, no, candles cause fires all the time. And he hates to even see them in a house. So where fire is concerned, firefighters maybe aren't the most, um, I don't know, calm. And they tend, they tend to be like, I don't know, uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of, a, of an allegory, but they, you know, they think sprinklers are completely reasonable because they will save lives. And Councillor Hawkins put on his lawyer hat and he got on his safety bicycle and was going on about how if these could save one life, any cost, any amount of money is acceptable. Of course, the cost isn't going to be on the city. It's going to be on individual residents. They love right. to download these things onto people. Um, so yeah, the, the Home Builders Association showed up. They were the lone delegation that was like speaking against them. Again, an int- they had their own interests that they were fighting for. But they were basically saying these were going to cost like ten dollars to $15,000 per house. Some of the delegations from okay. the uh, Sprinkler Systems Society I don't know what they're called, said they can make them for much less than that, for like $5,000. But this is like one more, you know, added cost onto housing in Regina. When we have a housing 
crisis, but we do not have a fire death crisis in Regina right now. This is all prophylactic. So I just, you mentioned the Hawkins thing about him, like saving one life, like blank check, but so this is only for new houses. Sorry. I'm still thinking about your sprinklers thing. Um, Oh, please. Yeah. But I mean, like a lot of the arson that like happens in the city is because people are squatting in houses. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. mean, Right. This is <laughs> so those those squatters have better installed sprinklers in the houses they're squatting in. <laughs> Just ready to go with sprinklers at all times. Yeah. That's why we need to give people uh, like just random people on the streets like sprinklers so they can so in case they need to squat the house, they can set up some sprinklers. Yeah. And like make but, water accessible for them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah but there's yeah. lead in the water. Uh Oh, no. <laughs> that saved my life. Oh, no. no. But, um, but no, you, you bring up a really good point, though, uh, that, you know, there's, it, well, I don't, I don't, obviously, we don't have stats in front of us, but it seems to me that putting sprinklers in new houses is not going to, like, do anything about, uh, about you know, arson happening in, in like, older buildings. Yeah. This did come up. Councillor Hawkins had an answer. Oh. So, no, we're not putting sprinklers in old houses, which is where all the fires in Regina seem to be happening, and all the deadly fires that have happened in Regina are in the older neighborhoods. Well, certainly not in the ones that haven't been built yet. Right. However, those new buildings that have sprinkler systems, someday they'll be old buildings. Therefore, we should put sprinklers in them. Mm. So in like a hundred years, people are squatting in those houses. I- yes, in the yeah. rubble of our society, and when they're squatting in Harbor Landing, <laughs> and and desperately hoping to either burn in a fire or get lead poisoning. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a grim future we've imagined. Yeah, worse than Garth Brooks. <laughs> Would you rather lead poisoning or Garth Brooks? Um. Yeah, that's a tough one. What was his pop alter ego? Chris Gaines. Oh, right. So are you, you do you even know who Chris Gaines was, Kale? No. Yeah, it's for the best. It really is. If you thought Garth Brooks was bad. He was, he was a, uh, it was Garth Brooks's alter ego, uh, this sort of 90s rocker dude, um, which was basically Garth Brooks just put on a, a wig and and some facial hair. And, and actually looked yeah, he actually looked a lot better, I thought. Yeah. But it was really funny. Uh, so it, it was like Hannah Montana <laughs> yes, of the past. <laughs> exactly like Hannah Montana, but with better production that. values. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, on that note, uh, we've run out of time. Oh. Yeah. Thanks for coming, Kel. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime. Um, yeah, if there's if anything comes up at City Council that like uh, gets you gets your blood boiling, just give us a call. Come on in. Will do. <laughs> yeah. Okay, shall we move to adjourn? I move that we're adjourning. I second that motion. Great motion passed. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on ninety one point three FM CGTR, Regina Community Radio. We are broadcast Thursday evenings seven to eight PM and rebroadcast Monday afternoons three to four PM. Uh, you can find us on CGTR.ca uh, as well as Twitter on Twitter at Queen City IB and uh, yeah, and our website QueenCityIB.com. 
what else? Oh yeah, coming up next, there is music all on. Well, there's the Nerdcore Cabaret, and there's music all on through the evening. Uh, thank you to uh, Guidewire for our music and Kale for uh, being the guest tonight. And yeah, keep on improving. Jeff.